Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Gwen at That's My Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Glenn, also known as Bedstar Brat. I'm Shade at Black Girls Texting, and if you guys will notice, Glenn did the intro today because Chelsea could not make it. Sadly, she had a little conflict. You know, the girls got nine to fives as well as the five to nines. Mm-hmm. So you got to make it do what it do. We have a special guest in the group chat today. We do. <laughs> Yaya da Casas at the Bell Day. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. If you guys do not know, Yaya is a New York born and raised actress, and she has really done it all across film, television, and stage. Um, you're currently in the ABC's drama Chicago Med, which I need to tune into because this sounds like right up my alley. I'm seeing emotional thrill ride through the day-to-day of chaos and an explosive hospital, like get back to my like um, Grey's Anatomy fixes from back in the day. Sounds amazing. But you've also starred in a multitude of films. Um, I'm seeing you co-starred alongside Ryan Gosling in The Nice Guys. You're in Lee Daniels' The Butler. Um, You also do speaking engagements around environmentalism and women's issues. And you hold a BA in International Relations and Africana Studies from Brown University. So, I mean, you pretty much do it all. How Mm -hmm. have you, how? (laughs) That's incredible. Um, thank you. Um, it's interesting. I'm in a moment of transition. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't do it all. Um, Mm. but I am learning to do a lot. Um, I write, um, and I have uh, aspirations to direct very soon. Um, I also am a mother, which is a huge part of my life. Um, I'm a doula. Um, I'm a Reiki practitioner, a Kashuk Records practitioner. Do so many different things. And I think that right now is a time where I and everyone is um, being called to remember our gifts and apply them to this massive um, rising. And so, yeah, that's what I'm dedicated to. I also have a job that pays me money, which is acting, which I love. Um, I've been on Chicago Med for five years. (laughs) So yes, it is a medical show. Um, Definitely tune in if you love Grey's Anatomy and that kind of thing. Um, It's a very interesting experience to be on a show that is so deeply rooted in Western medicine when Western medicine doesn't have much of a place in my real life. Um, And so, yeah, I've learned a lot on this show. I've learned a lot about um, the business, about, you know, the hospital system and about myself. Um, And so that is a blessing. 
but yeah I think balance you know mm -hmm. is is key and just and listening you know there's a lot that I mean I'm, I'm just I'm one of these people that's like constantly reinventing and changing and listening you know what I mean and uh so I'm always open to you know what the next thing is but where I am at right now is is focused on on those things and we'll see what season six looks like in of Chicago Med in the you know in the midst of all that mm -hmm. is going on going trying to get back and do it healthily but also smartly um there's a lot of unknown I think in the business there's a lot of testing going on um a lot of talk of the vaccines now which I think as people of color but black people especially we need to be cautious of and remember history um and yeah just kind of being just trying to live authentically in every moment in space oh my god you said so many things that got me excited um <laughs> firstly you and Shade are like on the same wavelength she's like the um the the homeopathic one of our of the group chat um she's always like i'm gonna go see my my homeopath and then i'll go check in with the western doctor just in case a little yin and yang balance but um i think that's really interesting as you talk about that that tension between like your personal practice and then what you do for work um and also listening to you speak i hear um the ability to have many chapters in life. And I think we talk a lot about this being like in our mid to late twenties and feeling like, okay, where am I right now? What is like, is what I'm going to do now, like going to define me, but like many different chapters in your life can define you. It can be, it can shift and evolve throughout time. And I think that makes it, makes life so exciting, you know? Yeah. Like, have you ever heard of the Saturn return? Yes. Oh my God. Oh Lord. Nodding. Talk about it. So I believe I'm currently in my Saturn return. I'm twenty. I'm twenty seven, turning twenty eight. Okay. So yeah, you're going into it. Yeah. So twenty eight to thirty, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll be twenty eight in August. Glenn's twenty eight right now, um, and it's like this whole kind of like shift in your life. Like my understanding of it is that you have a couple of these, but it's very much like an awakening. And I can definitely feel that happening. In addition to everything that's currently going on in the world, I, we definitely want to get into conversations on like police brutality, the Black Lives Matter movement, and you being a Black mother is mm -hmm. like so, so crucial in that because I think something that we've been discussing a lot is we're, we're not mothers yet, but as black people, we really identify almost as family. So if George Floyd is murdered, it feels like someone I, I could know or be related to. And a weird thing about our history is that like, we don't really know, like we are all intertwined and related in a way that like is unbeknownst to us because of the slave trade. But also I think culturally we hold on to a sense of like, Community. Community, yeah, that's the word. That 
maybe everybody doesn't really identify with. So it, it feels like, you know, that could have been my dad, that could have been my uncle. And then the thing we've all been talking about is one day it's going to be like, that could have been my son and how scary or daughter and how scary that must feel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How have you kind of been feeling? Well, and, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, it's a big question. I know. Um, in general, I think there's something happening, not with everyone, but in my circle of women who are mothers and even people that I know just peripherally, there seems to be this theme of the new way of parenting. Our children are doing things that we didn't do. They're talking back. They're, um, you know, they're not getting spanked. They're telling their parents, if you spank me, you could go to jail. Um, They're maintaining their voices. They're not being robbed of their intuition. They're believing that the things that they know and see are true. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, there are pros and there are cons to that. And one of the difficult things about raising black children, especially boys, is teaching them to respect authority. And I really despise the talk. Um, I think it's ridiculous that we have to have it. You know, that one. Who cares about the birds and the bees? You know, it's like, are you gonna, be living and thriving long enough to even worry about birds and the bees. This right. is how, this is what happens when you're stopped. And it doesn't matter if you're right, you know? So I did an exercise with my son yesterday, I think, um, because I've been resisting it. Um, I've been resisting going in depth, you know, because um, so much of what I'm doing with him is um, connected to reparenting myself and me not wanting mm. to repeat some of the same things that um, I've learned for parents, but they did the best they could and there are things that were not, uh, that I'd like to do differently. Mm-hmm. So I was, he had this green Easter egg um, and I had a whole thing of telling him to pick up the blue Easter egg and challenging him to resist temptation to tell me that it's actually green. You know, pretend like I'm the police officer and believe that they're always gonna be wrong and you're gonna be right, but it doesn't matter. And that's, that's really fucked up. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's really fucked up. Excuse my language. No, no you're fine. fine. But that's such a real way, intangible way to, to get, share that message. Yeah. yeah, and there are lots of different ways to do it. You know? age appropriately but I don't even fully believe in that you know? right but I also know that okay but we're not there yet we're not at the point where I can um, exclusively speak to the God in him exclusively speak to the authority in him and tell him to stand up for himself and to and to speak in a way that is um, that in the way that he deserves you know right. so it's sad um, yeah, there's so many different voices, and and I understand them all. 
I understand the people who are um, arming themselves and talking about uh, creating, a, you know, a self-defense army. And because mm -hmm. there's there's no one out there to protect us, so we must protect ourselves. Um, I understand the people who are into magic. And this is something that is not talked about much in public because traditionally it's been very taboo. But um, I think it's time to remember that the reason, one of the reasons that we're here and one of the reasons that there, that this massive Holocaust on African people and indigenous peoples of the world was even possible was uh, a robbing of ancient wisdom, mm -hmm. ancient cosmology, technologies, you know, language too, especially in the States where people were like mixed up so we couldn't communicate, but everywhere it's been consistent, you know, oppression has been consistent with missionary work and robbing of spirituality that fortified us. And so no shade to Jesus, that's not the point. The point is both and. Cool, if you wanna do that, but also think about what could happen if we were to remember and to, to, to start communicating again with the wisdom of our ancestors, because they're there and they actually desire to help us. They oh desire, God. they've been through things, I mean, everyone's like, uncertain times. <laughs> it's actually nothing compared to some of the things that they've endured. Right. Yeah. And so, they we might talk about this a lot. So um, yeah, Sade, I'm just speak for you. Uh, practices Yoruba and she always tells us that we need to keep altars in our homes or just find ways to communicate with our ancestors. What do you do to communicate with your ancestors? Do you have a ritual or routine? Yeah, I have, I have various. Um, I was lucky to have been um, to have been raised with that awareness. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, so yeah, I have, you know, altars and practices and I think, you know, I could give details, but um, really it, what I do, and it's not to say that like, oh, well, it's my private business, but really I hesitate to share because everybody needs to, and that's the thing, we're always looking outside of ourselves for information. Mm -hmm. Sit and just sit, sit and, and ask, you know, and, and you will find whatever way of connecting feels authentic to you. So if you could start perhaps by naming the ones whose names you know, and if you don't know any, you know, I understand it's hard for people who are adopted or orphaned, but if there's any way to connect to family members who are still alive and still have memories, Compile that list, look for pictures. Um, and if you don't know, that's okay too. You know, 
it's specificity is nice, but you could be vague. You could go, and it, even if you don't, even if you know the people and you're like, you know what, I don't even really mess with them right now. Like, mm-hmm. Barry is on my nerve. I can't even talk to him. Bypass, bypass these people, go further. Because a lot of us, especially the ones who have been in the Americas for generations, have this idea that, um, that our history started with this fucking transatlantic slave trade. And that has done such a dis, and that was strategic, and it's done such a disservice. Absolutely. To go back. Go back. Go back to the original woman, the mother of all humans. If you don't know where to start, start there and then come inch your way forward. But everybody's, you know, way of doing it is going to be different. I just think it's important to at least start. Um, and if there are any, is, it, is there any information that you might have about your lineages, um, whether it's from oral traditions in your family, or even if you're spitting in somebody's cup and they're giving you, you know, results back, they may not be accurate because a lot of these, you know, websites don't really. Anyway, <laughs> um, I did a bunch of them, and I have my family do these tests, and it's funny—the inconsistencies and the there's just a lot that they don't know, and they can't because they stole yeah. the information. You know, I had the same same experience, but. Um, it's start, right? So if you want to start there, start there and just, you know, that that's a place to start that's that feels like it's safe for a lot of people because it doesn't it doesn't uh, threaten you know Sunday church. It doesn't threat it doesn't it's, it doesn't give the idea of like, oh, I'm doing something mm-hmm. boo-boo. Mm-hmm. This is this is your family. <laughs> and if you're open to doing something woo-woo, please do something woo-woo because it's time for all the woo-woo right now. Agreed. Agreed. I, I talked to my, Glenn mentioned this, I talked to my friends a lot about the fact that at least for my family and the beliefs that I carry, like everyone has magic within them. You're just naturally born with it. It's not some type of like, oh, this person is like the the king you know uh warlock or this is like the queen witch like sure whatever there are people who really like deeply practice but like ultimately like everyone is born with a power and it's up to you to really like tap into that um so i love how you said like you can literally just sit and 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 talk to your ancestors whether you know them or not i try to converse with them every day because like they're around us they are with us and if you think about that power there in in what you just said like everyone's like oh we're in we're in unprecedented unknown times it's like they've been through so much they're literally trying to guide us through these processes but people are so much like oh no like the woo thing like I can't connect with that because you know they're dead and like I have such interesting conversations with my friends as well about like my concepts of death because like I don't believe that it's just kind of like this finite, like, okay, you die, it's over and that's it. It's like, there's a whole other realm of things going on. And like, once these people transition, like there's a different level in which you're connecting with them beyond, you know, physically touching them, which is so beautiful. But I'm going on this rant and ramble to say that we have so much power as a people. Um, I have been doing a lot of research on the Haitian revolution and just learn more about it. 
and it kind of started in watching Hamilton. One of my friends was like so adamant that we watch Hamilton together. And, you know, I had heard great things. And as a piece of work, I think it's, it's phenomenal. Um, and what Lin-Manuel Miranda was able to do is, you know, incredible if we're speaking from like theater and music. But when we get into the history of it, um, a, um, a really big activist, Erica Hart, um, started pushing, I guess, more of the critique aspect that I had not really seen. Um, I want to say a gentleman named Ishmael Reed had written a piece um, critiquing Lin-Manuel Miranda and talking about, you know, Hamilton is very problematic in that you have these black and brown people playing these slave owners and that's kind of fucked up. And the more and more I dug into it, I was like, wait a minute, you're right. Damn, like we can't even have Hamilton, but it's it's true. And and then I started, you know, looking into the American Revolution and I'm like, how is this so praised and seemed as like, yeah, this is how we got free. And this is how, you know, America came to be. And, you know, 4th of July, USA, this and that. And I was like, but when black people try to do that right now or even when the Haitian revolution happened and they freed themselves and fought back and had their they were the only country to do that the only well okay there are there have been some other successful revolutions actually but in terms of I guess the the gravity of it we look at it as like wow like they did it yeah to then be taxed and and then become like the 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 poorest country when they had all the resources was like blowing my mind and i'm still going into this this story but like it just really shows you like how much we were not valued but they believed in themselves and they used their magic and i think that's what we need to do mm. that's that's where my that's kind of where my spiel mm. is going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah, haitian magic is hella intact um i will say that And I wish that I had like a, you know, like a list of references and and proof for all of this, but I'd like us to entertain the idea that um, I've been learning a lot about recently, which is that the narrative that, that we didn't fight back or that we didn't use our magic or that we weren't having revolts is part of the brainwashing is part of the strategic systemic amnesia to make us feel helpless and oppressed. But really, nobody, Abraham Lincoln or anybody else, was like, you know what, one day, let me free these motherfuckers. Here you go. It wasn't like that. There was, it was a series of many revolts. There were many, 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 many people who broke off and, you know, defeated, you know, just similar to um, the, Nat Turner, but even in like smaller ways who fought back and, and um, took over, you know, these quote unquote plantations, um, who escaped who went and created, you know, secret societies in the woods, who integrated with indigenous American communities, which by the way, were often much blacker, which, you know, than they like to see, than they like to admit. 
a lot of indigenous, a lot of us have indigenous ancestry that whether we have a card or not to prove it, we, you rob that from us, right? Not everybody looked what we think today looks Mexican. Some of them look exactly like me and like you, you know? Um, and so all of that, this narrative that every, all of our ancestors were on a boat and came directly from Africa, no. Some indigenous Americans were very dark. Their accounts of people, of Spaniards arriving in California, and they I forget what they called it, um, but they thought that they, uh, what were what, like circumnavigated or something? I'm not sure, they, they were in California. <laughs> um, what is now called California. I was just trying to remember what they called it at the time, but there's some, you know, transcript of, of their accounts saying, and all I see are, are black women, you know, adorned in gold, you know, so there's like all of this, this history that has been robbed of us because it's helpful to oppression to have everyone think, we stole you, we enslaved you, we made you work, and then out of the goodness of our hearts, we freed you. Mm, not quite, you know, but because of, you know, how successful they were at making everybody believe this narrative, we don't have the same, um, fire and belief in, you know, being able to do what we've done in the past. Um, I have some, I don't like to say, you know, roots are roots, but I have some branches in Brazil as well. And they had these um, revolts that created quilombos, which were these entire cities and towns, societies in the mountains, you know, that thrived for hundreds of years, you know, um, before the rest of the country decided to legally abolish slavery. So I don't think it was, a, it was as clean as that. And while Haiti is definitely like the, you know, mo most clear example and successful mm. example of that, mm -hmm. I want to just appreciate that the many revolts fed, um, you know, the movement that eventually made Abraham and all those, you know, white men in power say, okay, you know what, fine, let's just give him the freedom. It wasn't the Civil War alone. It Wait wasn't that everyone in the North was just like, but we love black people. Like, that's not how it went down. Um, so, yeah, there's just, I mean, how do we even relearn all this? this history, you know, but what we learned in school is trash, literal trash. That's um, the thing. Yeah. It's yeah. on us to learn it. And, and it's, it's sad in a way, but I think it's also super empowering now that like, at least the, the folks that I'm having my circle are taking the time to do what they need to do to learn what we need to learn so that, you know, you stay ready. You don't have to get ready. And yes. And these, and these, <laughs> And, and the accuracy of the real history and knowing that, oh, we did that, oh, wait, wait, wait. It feeds pride. You know, I heard someone mm -hmm. say, what's her name? I don't remember, but you can't have black power without black pride. 
Yep. And that's why I don't watch trauma porn on social media every mm. time something happens. Every time a police, you know, kill somebody. I'm not going to sit there and watch all these videos over and over and over again. I'm grateful for smartphones because if without them, we would not be here. You know, people need to see proof to believe shit. But... Right. It chips away at you. Because it chips away at you. Yeah. It reinforces fear. It reinforces helplessness. It reinforces, uh, you know, even saying oppressed peoples. We are not oppressed. The problem is Yeah, I was going to say, by what definition of oppressed, right? Yeah, yeah. but like... Our ancestors were not slaves. They were human beings. Yep. They were physical manifestations of the divine, of the creator. They were gods. They were what they were beautiful. They were thinkers. They were feelers. They were magicians. They were healers. Just because they worked for free, just because they had hard lives, that doesn't define them and it does not define me. So I think that's another that. thing about creating people we want to talk about like maybe being mothers in the future that's something that i'm constantly thinking of is how to just make sure that that my child is not ingesting all the propaganda that's out there because it's everywhere Mm -hmm. self-hate candy is everywhere Mm. how do we combat that by showing them how beautiful they are, how strong they are, how powerful they are. And that's why it's so hard to have conversations like the blue egg. Right. Because it feels like a contradiction. Yeah. And and I think something that's super challenging when, to your point, what did you say? Oh my God, self-hate candy. I love that. Like it's everywhere. <laughs> you can get down. it. You can get it in every damn store. It's real cheap and tastes good. And oh. then, you know, then you're 22, 23, 24, 25, still hating yourself, still figuring it out. Taking and years and years. Eat. You can't eat salad because you can't chew it because of your cavities. Yes. <laughs> and you can't, you can't get you can't get out of it. And 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 Again, this is not, you know, haphazard. This is intentional. So when you have a people who are just getting to love themselves when they get halfway into their lives and then have to reteach themselves everything else, it's like, when can you, when can you get, get free? You know, like it, it's, it's really scary because it takes so much time to, we talked about this on a previous episode, um, someone asked kind of like what my utopia would be for black people. And I was like, the number one thing would be for black people to just be able to love themselves. Like so many, and I'll just speak for black women and myself as a black woman to, to start to love yourself is such a process. And it's so different than, you know, when people are like, Oh, well, you know, everyone goes through growing pains when you're a teenager, you know? And I'm like, some girl, you know, having breakouts and acne and braces is different than me wanting to relax my hair and wear contacts and, you know, look white. <laughs> that yeah. is not the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and my process of unlearning that is not going to be cured by some damn uh, proactive embraces. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of work. So they're not equatable. And then you are put into these spaces like Glenn and I, Chelsea as well, both went to super white institutions for, for high school. Glenn went to HBCU for college, but Chelsea and I went to super white institutions for college. And I always am like reflecting on that, like that shit was like dystopian because it, you are like navigating in this world that does not really belong to you. You have to fit yourself in somehow just to survive and like get your degree and get shit done. But you, at least for me, I had to just live in like almost a state of ambivalence, which I no longer want to be in. And I don't, you know, judge my, my younger self for, the, for those factors. But I think in realizing that, as well as learning on top of, you know, how to get out of that, it's, it's not an easy feat. And it's, it's, it's work. And, and, and I would love to hear kind of more in terms of like some of your doula work and as you are, you know, bringing life into the world. And I don't know if like in your practices, you work with mothers. And I know you said you have kind of a group of mothers and you're going through these like parental changes. Like, what does some of that look like? Mm -hmm. I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is, and it's beautiful. I think, um, hmm. so one of the main things um, that's coming up is the intersection between self-love and power. And um, yeah, the maternal health crisis is not a joke. Uh, and it's interesting to have been doing this work for about 10 years now. And wow. I feel really grateful for, you know, the misnomer Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we can talk about why I do that later. Um, mm, yes, <laughs> um, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the same time, it's heartbreaking that the number of Black women that die at the hands of medical professionals in the hospital setting is far far greater than the number of black people killed by the police. Wow. Here. And no one is talking about it. And people are not outraged enough. One of the reasons I think is because the majority of people killed by the police are men. Mm -hmm. Another reason is that there's so much unknown when it comes to Western medicine. There's so much trust in the system. There's so much amnesia. There's so much fear of ourselves and of the life-giving process that we as women just don't have that power piece. And so we're like, oh my God, like my mom and my aunt and everybody said that this is the worst pain I've been experiencing in my life. And 
I just just get it out of me and I'm just gonna you know work and up until the last day that I have mm-hmm. to get birth and just show up at the hospital and whatever happens happens you're getting that, life girl literally <laughs> that is a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. as a black person for anybody but as a black birthing person that's asking for some real precarious situations. That's asking for unnecessary interventions. That's asking for, um, that's asking to be disbelieved. Um, A lot of women who talk about their pain uh, get disbelieved because there, I mean, and, and, I'm, and I'm talking from not personal experience because I didn't go to medical school, but I have friends that did, I have midwife friends that did, who talk about the curriculum still perpetuating ideas that were created in the beginnings of obstetric medicine back in the Dizay, where they teach that Black people do not feel pain the way that white people do. Um, and whether or not these doctors are consciously, and I have a lot of friends that are doctors and we talk about this shit all the time and I'm very clear. And they're like, well, but people distrust, you know, the, the system and they don't follow recommendations. And this is a huge issue. And so when we look at it, you know, these, these events as isolated, you can say, oh, well, this person hemorrhaged because, uh, you know, something happened, but every woman that I know who's been pregnant and in the state, in the state of labor and giving birth, that is the most open that you ever are. Women talk about the third trimester and beyond. They talk about mommy brain because there's a lot of, there are parts of your brain that shut down so that you can fully be with your newborn. And that process begins in pregnancy. And what it opens up is a level of intuition that we've never known, a level of, you know, just like openness and knowing. And But if we shut down to that, you know, the <laughs> left side of our brains, because we're living in fear and we don't trust ourselves and we give over our power to our doctors, then we're not hearing. But even in that state, there are women who are like, I know something's wrong and they try to communicate it and they're not listened to and they're not believed and then two days later they're died or, or they sent, they're sent home and, and, and they have to come back to the hospital, you know? Or, you know, I had my, the last birth that I had in the hospital, the mom uh, did it naturally. When I tell you how many times the, the, uh, the nurses were like, come on, like, don't be a martyr like it's not too late for your epidural you can do it and i'm like she told you she, she said what she wants yeah you know what i mean like but it's because they were scared and i asked them after and i was like how many natural births do you see here and they were like they've never seen a birth like the one that they saw with this woman mm-hmm. and they said i think she said something like 90 percent or 94 percent or something of births have some type of medication or intervention and so because of that, they just, <clears throat> they're like, what, what are we doing? Why are we here? And that's my invitation is, yeah, why are you here? Do we need to get births in hospitals? I didn't. And I had an ecstatic birth. Like, 
I actually, <laughs> I actually felt, yeah, I felt intense sensation, but the pain that I had seen in movies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I have a small frame, barely hips. My child was normal size, seven pounds. It, it felt amazing. And I'm like, why? Why did I? Why was I able to have this experience? And so many people are having this other experience. What is the dissonance here? What is, what's going on? And so that's what got me um, really digging deeper into prenatal preparation from a um, spiritual and mental place. Yes. Because when you prepare your mind, everything else follows. Free your mind and the rest will follow. And Vogue and everybody else said it and that is what it is. If you show up to each contraction being like, oh my God, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> it's gonna hurt like, oh my, it's gonna hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. But if you say, oh, here it comes, oh shit, here it comes. Okay, let me ride the wave. Ooh. <sighs> oh my God. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait to see this baby. Oh, yes. oh, so powerful. Look at what I'm doing. Oh, I mean, there are women who have orgasmic births. For a reason. Yes. Literal. There's a whole movie on it. I think that's so interesting in, in the conversation around Western medicine, especially. I have my own thoughts about it. Glenn, Glenn knows. I'm always preaching it. But I think... Um, the number one thing you said there is kind of this authority and power. And a lot of that is so rooted in white supremacy because again, yeah. Oh, black people don't feel pain the same. Our bodies were tested on and tested on, operated on, operated on surgeries, (laughs) undo the stitch, close it. I mean, torture. Torture, literally. No, torture. No, I'm glad. Thank you for interjecting because I think that this is something that we haven't, this is a subject that we talked about on on the podcast, but it's great to have you here because like you, you do a lot of the work and I just be on my soapbox. Like, I don't trust it. I don't know why, but I don't because (laughs) that's just the, the way that I was, I was brought up. But I think that the number one thing we need to do is really be vocal and use our voices and, and question. And that is my biggest issue with Western medicine and this concept of science, that it rules out your ability to question because someone else did the studies and there, there are 30 plus studies on this and, and the scientists have been researching it for 15 years. So now I just need to blindly believe it because 50 white men did studies for however many years. And so now it's true. No, I don't believe that. But then you look at history of, of, of indigenous people using, you know, natural herbs and natural medicines and, and natural means of doing things. And it's like, oh, well, that, you know, that's some like mumbo jumbo. That's not real. That's not like, there've been studies to disprove that really, because these motherfuckers have been doing it for thousands of years. So I don't know. I don't know, but I'm not supposed to believe that. I'm like, what? Or even in, in terms of looking at spirituality and, um, for me, traditionally, like we will create medicines out of just herbs and water and wringing the herbs and singing and, and putting prayer into the herbs. But that's not real because it's not proven to be real. I don't need anything proven to me to be real by some study and somebody writing a dissertation. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've lived it. I had a, um, 
I used to walk on my tippy toes when I was um, when I was a kid, and they did all this stuff. They put a brace. They like they were like, oh my god, we might we have to, might have to do surgery on my tendons, my like near my Achilles. And my mom was like, oh, oh no, 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 we're not doing that. She was like. Y'all could try the brace. Y'all could try, you know, the things, inserts in her shoes, but y'all not about to do surgery on my child. Went, did a ceremony, never walked on my tippy toes again. And that's that's the power of our work. And that's the power of what we do, but it's not deemed true. And, And I think that that's something that we as a people need to take back because I don't, I don't care about Dr. So-and-so who went to medical school for however many years. If I say I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And that's something that literally took me like experiencing. I had to get a, um, I had to get a biopsy and because I had like a regular pap smear or whatever. And I was in so much pain and I'm with these like Russian doctors in, uh, mm. damn, where was I? I was in like Midwood kind of Flatbush area and it was so uncomfortable. And I, I called my mom and I was like, mom, I literally felt like I was violated. Absolutely. I had a very similar experience because of an abnormal pap smear and the female doctor that I was seeing couldn't do it. And she said, oh, my colleague's very good at this specific procedure. And when I tell you, I left crying and I told her that I was not coming back to this practice and it, it, it felt like rape. And that's another thing. A lot of us are, I mean, I'm gonna use that word, rape, because in the hospital setting, there's so much disrespect for the female body and the, and the female black body even less. And so when you see these doctors constantly, just without permission, without asking, shoving their hands up your vagina to check your cervix, you just checked your cervix. You just fucking check it. Birth takes time. Everyone calm down. I know you have a dinner to go to. I know you want to leave. Your shift is over. But Mm. you're not doing life on your time. Yes. Yes. That's why if people are not high risk, if you're not, if you don't have like any reason medically that you must be in that setting, I'm a huge proponent of finding a midwife who knows how to do traditional work. And these midwives are brilliant. They know how to turn breech babies with their hands. Okay, they do massages. They, they, and, and they know how to deliver breech babies. For if a baby doesn't want to turn, it can come out feet first. This idea that it's like, oh, gotta have a C-section. Everything is like, oh, gotta have a C-section. Why? Because you get 13,000 extra dollars? No, you don't. I was about to say, because of the yeah, dollars. No. Mm-hmm. You know, and they will tell you time and time again, because I've heard it a number of times in different offices, literally been like, you know, trying to ask a certain question, the mom asking a question or me like respectfully chiming in or, excuse me, did you go to medical school? They will straight up (laughs) say that. And it is important for us to remember, nobody knows your body better than you. Yep. Medical school, in the context of the existence of human beings, is brand spanking new. And for all the people who say, yeah, but before the, before this, we had all these d- deaths and you know, infant mortality and mothers didn't survive. They're not surviving now. Actually, the, the rates have gone up. 
at the hands of, of, of these, you know, procedures and interventions. And back in the day, we were actually doing way better because we had, like you said, uh, Shade, we had the wisdom, the ancient wisdom of plants, plant medicine, herbs, different techniques of tying and doing this. I mean, even this, even speaking of C-sections, they're not all bad. Sometimes they're necessary. And guess what? We invented that too. Back in Angola and Tanzania, these, you know, early 1800s, there were these white, uh, I forget where they were from, but these explorers who, these medical, you know, explorers. I don't even know what, what that means, medical explorers. <laughs> People in the medical field that decided to go and see what was up on the continent. And they saw these women performing surgeries. And they're like, how are you cutting her open and she's not dying? I mean, it was like, it, that was magic. They were like, oh, what are you doing? And these, they watched and they learned and then they started, you know, practicing and figuring out their ways of doing it. But somehow, somehow our ancestors were able to do that very cleanly, quickly, easily. The mom survived, the baby survived, the mom healed and boom. So we, we always have had the wisdom. You know, it's time mm-hmm. to trust in ourselves and stop trusting outside of ourselves. Amen. Because I can't, I can't really get down with some some medicines when like y'all didn't even have hygiene not too long ago. Y'all was like <laughs> <laughs> not properly bathing and brushing your teeth. But now you're the experts on medicine. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Hello, you're a clown. Um, I'm going to switch gears real quick and go into our segment um, called What Would You Do? So we always get letters in um, from our listeners asking for advice. And actually, I read this one earlier, and there's something that you've been saying about um, look within yourself instead of externally for answers that I think applies to this. But anyway, let me read it. So it says, hey, BGT, my name is Aaliyah. I'm 33. I love the way you girls always talk about how you became confident in yourselves and your identity. I just got out of an eight-year relationship and I feel like I don't know who I am anymore. Have you ever been in a relationship that has totally consumed you? My partner was my best friend. I always looked up to him and I feel like I almost uh, created myself in his image. And now I'm so lost. Do you have any advice for me? I'm thinking about taking an eat, pray, love journey at this point. How do I discover myself? Thanks for any advice. Oh! <laughs> oh my goodness. Damn. Heavy. <laughs> Heavy. Whew. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. First of all, I would say that was a beautifully written question and it speaks to her awareness. So you're not lost. One. Um, fuck him too. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, um, I think, I think, you know, the whole traveling thing is really beautiful. Sometimes we do need to just get out of, um, a physical space, uh, in order to really remember who we are without all that stuff. 
especially if you shared space with this person. Um, I remember getting out of <clears throat> a relationship <clears throat> and it was, you know, I hate how everyone's overusing the word toxic, but it was. Um, and I also don't have a lot of attachment to things. So it was, I felt very liberated in, um, it was easy for me to get rid of things, like anything that this person had touched <laughs> or <clears throat> had interaction with, even seen me wear, like I got rid of a lot of stuff. Um, it can also be, you know, moving to a new space, you know, I think that if you shared a home with this person, I'm imagining that it's possible after eight years. <clears throat> I think moving is a huge step. Um, but really just like cleaning, cleaning house. Um, there was another moment where I was called to, and it wasn't even my own idea. It was like, I heard the call and I was like, okay, it's not something I ever thought about, but I will obey. And I shaved my head. Um, so the cutting of hair also comes, the removal of old energies. And so anything that you can do, and it doesn't have to be that dramatic. I tend to, I mean, I'm an actor in dramas, so I tend to do things big, but <laughs> you don't have to cut your hair, you don't have to throw everything away. But um, anything that makes you feel cleansed can really, really help. But just, just know that <clears throat> he did not create you, you know? The creator created you and you have the power to continue to create and recreate and reinvent yourself um every 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 relationship has medicine all these people are teachers you know so um i think a major key that i learned in, in forgiveness practice is gratitude you know it, it's easy to say he trifling, he did this, and I can't believe, you know, I don't know the specifics of your situation, but I think a lot of us tend to focus on the negative because it makes it easier to move on. Um, yet, when we remember the positive, when we remember the gifts, we're able to say, thank you. Thank you so much for these lessons. This is what I'm coming, not, you don't have to talk to the person directly. You can bypass the, the human and speak to their higher self and be like, Look, I'm so grateful for you. This is what I've learned. This is what I'm coming away with. And I'm moving on with peace in my heart. When you let someone go and you say goodbye with gratitude, they actually leave. Mm. I don't mean that human leaves your life. I mean that the, the, the stuff that the residue uh, the pain, all of that actually can leave your system and you can actually be free. Because when we hold on to resentment, then we're so stuck. You know, that energy cord is intact. Yes. Anytime someone says their name, it's like, hmm, a, hmm. that's jail. That's pain. That's right. suffering. So the key is forgiveness. For, and, and that comes from really, really figuring out what the lesson in the relationship was and what value they added to your life and saying thank you and goodbye and cutting them off for like for real but but with love um uh, yeah, there's yeah. something else 
Um, hmm. Well, yeah. That's something I was thinking is that um, she says that she always admired him or looked oh. up to him. And it kind of makes me think of what you're saying too, though. Like, and I've been in relationships like this before too, where they were just, they literally had traits that I really liked. And that's why I wanted to be around them and I wanted to embody those. Oh. And there's definitely a fine line between like what you want to adopt of another person to help you to, to like create your identity. But there are definitely things like, like, was he compassionate? Was he family oriented? Are these things that you now feel like you identify with and can be a part of you as well? Like, I think there are things you can pull from people around you um, in that relationship and in other relationships that you have in your life. Um, yeah, so oh, that's, yeah that's beautiful. And I think also like, thank yourself for what you gave to him because it was a two-way street. You were being together for eight years means that there was a back and forth, you know? He was not your father. Mm -hmm. He have a responsibility to take care of you. It was actually a relationship, right? And so honor yourself. You're not lost. You are the amazing person that was able to attract this person who you think is amazing. Like you were a match for each other at that time for a reason. Um, and then the other element too is also that I'll say is, you know, calling back your energy from him as well, you know? And in that like gratitude, some people call it cord cutting. I was gonna say cord cutting. <laughs> yeah, different ways to do it. If you need um, guidance, you can research, you know, cord cutting rituals on YouTube, but really, I mean, I'm using the word ritual, it's very simple. All it requires is intention, real focus, and, you know, just do it. And you might need to do it more than once. You might need to do it every day for a month or for 40 days, right? That's the time that it takes for something to become a habit and to become part of you. However you need to do it until you really feel, whoa, all of a sudden you're going to wake up and be like, oh, that was quite the dream. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> You know, and then and you're going to be good, you know, but just honor yourself, please, because I think that it's easy to see what someone else is giving to us, but you gave to him. So recognize the divine in you, the queen, you know, the, the boss who's a match for that person in the first place, and then call back your energy. I love that. I think it also relates to um, when you were speaking to giving birth and looking at it as a positive experience, despite maybe some of those moments of pain, um, but like taking that negative and kind of turning it more into a positive, like sometimes when we go through things, especially emotionally, we wanna just detach our emotions from it. We don't wanna feel it, we wanna suppress it. And going kind of into that hurt and just feeling it and, and talking through it and processing what that feels like isn't a bad thing. I think that culturally it's very common to just be like, yeah, forget him, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, sometimes it's okay to just like sit and be like, wow, this really hurt. This was a lot for me emotionally. This is how I'm feeling. And sometimes those feelings don't feel so good, but it's, it's a healing process. And I think that mm -hmm. that's something that I had to do for myself because I am not 
the, I don't, I don't like to feel discomfort. That is not, I don't think anyone does, but like, I really don't. I'm like, I don't want to go there. I'm not interested. But I literally had to sit, um, journaling really helped me to just like sit with my emotions, write them down, reread them. Like I reread some things that I wrote and I just like, I still cry to this day, but it's like so powerful because it's, I'm able to also reflect, like you had this feeling, you may have it again, but look at where you are now. Like you're okay. You're thriving. You're fine. Um, and so I think it's just like a beautiful process of healing. And in retrospect, I'm like, wow, I am so amazing. I was resilient through that experience. Yes. I did not let that experience define me. I let it be a moment and a lesson and I moved forward. And I think that that's something that you can apply to any experience in your life. It doesn't just have to be in a relationship with a partner. It could be with a parent, with a friend, with a, your job, a career. Like I think as a people, we really need to start to, to practice that. And that's something that I'm teaching myself every day. So girl, preach it to the choir over here because um, I've been through it. I'm still going through it. And yeah. it's a it's a journey. Yeah, and no, I just I'm thank not. you for saying that because I think, um, I don't know if this particular, um, I don't know. Person, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the question um, is a black woman, but <clears throat> One thing that so necessary, so necessary, especially at this time, is precisely what you said, is um, allowing ourselves to feel our emotions. You said sometimes it's okay to just, and I was like, all the time it's okay. All yeah. the time. You know, I was someone who was always made fun of as a kid for being so sensitive and crying girl i mean you probably hear it in my voice i've almost cried in this last hour probably three times just because i'm always feeling so much right and so i was always like ridiculed for that as a child and now i allow myself to cry when i feel like it because guess what when i do that and move through it then it passes <gasps> Oh my God. And it doesn't stay there and create a whole other story and create a whole other illness, you know? And one thing that this um, woman who I really admire, Shirley Johnson, her uh, Instagram handle is Solistic Wellness, in these conversations around this Black Lives Matter movement, one of the things that she talks about a lot is, uh, what did she say? Defund the strong black woman stereotype. So yes, defund the police, defund the matrix, but defund that too, because why? Part of, you know, the strong black woman stereotype is, is part of what is killing us inside and without of the hospital setting, in, our, in, in homes that suffer from domestic violence, in you know work settings where we're you know being worked until we're literally sick and we don't know how to rest reclaim your softness reclaim your right to rest you know that's something that our ancestors were not allowed to do taking a nap the revolutionary act for us so yes really being you know and then there's a there's a page as well the nap ministry 
that talks about that a lot specifically for us you know and so when talking about softness and what it means to just allow yourself what does the softness mean to you you know when it comes to tapping into your emotions when it comes to loving your body you know and all of the places where and all of the curves and the roles that you were told were not beautiful love all of it be soft you know and that is our right because we are all of that you know um yes the goddess is fierce but she's also soft yes she has a machete and she holds flowers and she cries and she and all of that is our birthright so yeah forget being strong right now i say oh to that God. oh my gosh with with that all being said our final segment of the podcast is called black girls doing shit we highlight amazing beautiful talented dope black women and today that is you so thank you so much for joining us like i was standing for one because i mean like you were just such a part of our childhood watching antm and just watching you you grow and just like seeing you and i think you were goals for a lot of young girls because especially on the show like you stood in your truth and and it was something that was like super inspiring I think to all of us but just to see you know I feel like we kind of in a way grew up with you and all the different things you've been able to do it's like fangirl inspiring and then to just have this conversation you know when whenever we do and interviews you, you don't really know where it's going to go and, and and we don't like to be like question number one question number two <laughs> like that is not our style um and you really allowed us to like have a blossoming beautiful flowing conversation and I think it's just a testament to how incredible you are as a person so mm-hmm. really really thank you so thank much you. thank you for There's opening so up to us here. and just sharing everything with us this was like oh Glenn God. was right in a way Glenn's a writer so she's like I got quotes I got quotes <laughs> yes thank you you so much for having me you know it's so humbling it's so humbling when I hear when I hear young sisters say things like that first because I'm like well what do you mean like I grew up watching you like first of all I'm still 22 so (laughs) Um, we were just really really little we were like two years old we're five um (laughs) but yeah it's just it's really beautiful because oh that that experience for me was, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've become a master of like compartmentalization and selective amnesia. And mm-hmm. I, I had to shut that out in order to, in order to be who I am today. It was a very traumatic experience. Um, and I'm not feeling emotional because I'm remembering that trauma. I'm feeling emotional because you just never know when you're going through something, who it's reaching, you know, who it's touching, um, and what outcomes there may be. You know, I have so many really powerful things in the works right now. And to know that some of the audience that's perceived it has been following me for a couple of years, um, you. <laughs> 16 years, mm-hmm. it's just so powerful, and and uh, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for you too, 
I'm grateful for your audience um, and everybody who doesn't know, you know, you're like, oh, let me check out the show. And I'm like, I've been on the show for five years. You don't need to know what I'm doing right now. You, you know, we're going to connect when it's time to connect, you know, and to have a foundation that was started at a time that was so formative for all of us. You know, I was growing up then too. And I, I can't even look at old like stuff. I know that they play reruns all the time and I'm aware of it because people, you know, message me on Instagram about it or whatever. But that seems like such a, a, a different lifetime. Um, and it created such a difficult environment afterward for me to navigate and show people, but, but no, they wrote that. And this is who I really am. And oh my God, that's Tyra. Like that, that all was part of the process of this, you know, young woman who, you know, I, I don't even know. I mean, I, I, I wasn't quite a teenager, but she was young, you know, and, and, uh, I'm grateful, just like I was saying to the woman in the eight year relationship, I had to come to a place of, of gratitude and appreciation for all of the things that I learned from that experience. And so while I had to reject it professionally, because I was like, I'm an actor. So what I take pictures, I'm an actor, you know, and I had to prove myself in the profession of my choice because that had been my craft since I was a kid. Um, I, I also came to a place of, peace and maturity and gratitude you know and I'm, I'm grateful for the the lessons that I got about you know how to navigate the business how to navigate um black women in the business who are not necessarily you know who are from a different time and don't necessarily have what you all have you know which is this this sisterhood and this trust of one another you know, they come from a place of suspicion, you know, and it's not just in that setting. I've, I've had these experiences in the theater world in New York, you know, back in the early and mid-late 2000s, where women who I looked up to, famous women who I looked up to and wanted to be, you know, an auntie who really made me feel really badly. And I'm really grateful for having had those lessons and to be in a new space of, celebration and sisterhood and trust and support and encouragement and connection and empowerment because it is in unity as we know we people say it all the time but we have to be in this practice of of unity and support you know support black businesses is not just fuck your trend like that's what time it is you know I'm not buying anything these days without googling if there's a place where I can get it from a black owned business, from bamboo toilet paper to makeup to clothing, jewelry, every single thing in my home, dishwashing liquid, menstrual, like all of it, because that is what time it is. They, they stole black Wall Street from us. It's time to like invest in ourselves and we can't do that if we're still operating on this you know divisive bullshit that has been you know handed to us from white patriarchy that's not ours <laughs> that's not how we used to roll let it go
So thank you for seeing me. Thank you for supporting me all these years. You know, like, I just love y'all so fucking much. You have no idea. You have no idea. It really, really is, um, is, is, is beautiful and empowering and healing. And when I tell you everything that I'm doing is for y'all, is for us, I, um, there's some things that are in the works that I can't quite speak about, but when it pops off, you can be like, oh, that's what you're talking about. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. And it's all for us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Just thank you. Thank you. We'll beautiful. be watching. We'll be watching so closely and we're really excited for everything you're doing. Um, is there anything you can share that you want to share that you want the listeners to be on the lookout for? Not at this time. See what's to come. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, this yeah. has been amazing. Sometimes, sometimes magic requires um, protection, energetic, you know. Yes. Like, yeah. so I'm, in the, I'm in the cocoon stage right now. But, um, but just, yeah, just energetically um, your, your, your support uh, from a distance is felt and is feeding this work. So thank yes. you. Great. Yes, thank you. absolutely. Well, as always, you all know where to find us, Black Girls Texting. Um, if you are going through it, you just want to vent, you just want to talk, you just want to have someone to reach out to, the email is always open, hello at Black Girls Texting. The DMs are always open, Black Girls Texting on Instagram. Check us out. And this was this was for our sisters, this episode. Oh 100%. This, this was, was for y'all. <laughs> and um, can't wait for y'all to hear this. Yeah. And I want to say one more thing. I noticed that, Yaya, you were taking deep breaths at different points during this conversation. And when you <laughs> took those, I would like take them to and they were they, they felt so good so I would just encourage y'all listening to like take a deep breath today in this moment after you're hearing this and just continue to do that because oh my god necessary yes girl all right ASCBD Perspectives is a new podcast series from the American Heart Association that portrays the journey of a typical patient through their various care settings after a recent cardiac event and being diagnosed with clinical ASCBD, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. This podcast is intended to be a guide to educate patients on shared decision-making practices and provide examples of questions they can incorporate into their personal experience. It also helps clinicians understand different ways that they can empower their patients to become advocates and active leaders in their own disease. ASCBD is a disease that causes blockages in the vessels in your body. These blockages can cause heart attacks, strokes, or blockages in your legs. Listen as our patients visit their healthcare provider to discuss topics across managing cholesterol for ASCVD, what it means to have ASCVD, lifestyle modifications, and what they can possibly expect the first time they visit their doctor after being diagnosed with ASCVD. Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation is a proud sponsor of the American Heart Association's ASCVD Perspectives podcast series. Hear the ASCVD patient journey come to life across four episodes by visiting heart.org slash ASCVD. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. 
During our lowest prices of the season, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899, only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.